0: Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, hello there, everyone. Hope everyone's doing all right. Uh, Let me get into it here. Lots of different stuff. Unfortunately, some uh, recent predictions I've made over the last couple of months have have started to come true, which isn't very good. Got some K-12 news to spread around. Uh, and some VAX-related stuff as well. But first, there's a new Substack article up on the American Classroom Substack that I've written. It's titled, Welcome Back to Credit Banking, The New American School Year and the Ongoing Situational Collapse. So bounce on over there if you're interested and give that a read. Spread it around if you're also interested. You know, the the people that run these institutions, both K-12 and and otherwise, have no idea what they've done. They don't know what they're currently doing, and I think it's beyond plausible that a lot of the old practices and scenarios that they've used over the last two-plus years, they're going to revisit. Maybe returning to online education, when again six staff members or there are too many six students, so they have to close down, and then they just end up reverting back to online education. That might be one of the one of the options. Uh, closing their doors altogether might be another one. But if you recall more specifically the online education route. What was interesting about that was is that they, it, there were many school districts that even had to shut down online education, as poor as it was, because as I've stated, they don't know how to design online classes very well, including the universities themselves that don't have online classes already, or even online degrees, so to speak. But the, the only ones that really do that effectively are the ones that have been always online schools. They know what they're doing. But all these other institutions, the vast majority of them have no clue, in particular K-12 schools. But there was a thing that happened, again, at least a year ago plus, where you had sick teachers who were actually too sick to even teach from home. So in my opinion, that's going to be something that also happens here in in the coming months and certainly in the coming years. So again, just go ahead, and if you're interested, bounce on over to the American Classroom Substack and give the most recent article there a read if you are interested. Okay, moving on. This story, of course, was making the rounds just the other day, and rightfully so. Uh, it was immediately sent to me actually the day before by Sicily in New Mexico, and it's titled, Minneapolis Teachers Union Contract Calls for Layoffs of White Teachers First. Teachers are normally laid off or accessed based on seniority alone, but the new agreement adds a racial component as well. Here we go. Again, this is just, it's just more brazen behavior. They do not care again about any uh, presence of the Constitution, if it even exists anymore. They just don't care. And as we know, if the tables were turned and it were black teachers being fired first, everybody would lose their mind but again, they don't care. So it says the following, quote, a Minneapolis teachers union contract stipulates that white teachers will be laid off or reassigned before educators of color, quote unquote, in the event Minneapolis public schools, MPS, needs to reduce staff. After the Minneapolis Federation of Teachers and MPS struck a deal on March 25th, To end a 14-day teacher strike, the two sides drew up and ratified a new collective bargaining agreement complete with various proposals. One of the proposals dealt with, quote-unquote, educators of color protections. The agreement states that if a non-white teacher is subject to excess, MPS must excess a white teacher with the next least seniority, quote-unquote. And they said, quote, as the agreement reads, starting with the spring 2023 budget tieout cycle, if accessing a teacher who is a member of a population underrepresented among licensed teachers in the site, the district shall access the next least senior teacher who is not a member of an unrepresented population. According to the United Federation of Teachers, accessing means reducing staff in a particular school when there is a reduction in the number of available positions in a title or license area in that school. The agreement adds that non-white teachers as well as those working in various programs may be exempted from district-wide layoffs outside seniority order. The agreement also prioritizes the reinstatement of teachers from underrepresented populations over white teachers. So again, they're going to hire minorities as opposed to white teachers when that time comes. You see, here's what happens when you back a criminal into a corner. They will show you everything that they're capable of. And this is just another one of those moves. They are flailing about right now because no one wants to be a school teacher. These buildings are emptying of morals and values and the people who carry those morals and values, not to mention the families themselves who once sent their children to these environments are now recognizing that they don't have to. And as you've heard me say a thousand times, why on earth would they leave knowing that they really don't ever have to return. The homeschooling family does not leave and then come back. That rarely ever happens. Again, I remember having a homeschool student once, I had a number of them, in public school. But they would show up having been homeschooled all through elementary school, and then they show up in middle school. And then I had one in particular who showed up in middle school. They went through middle school Again, the public school system, they had me maybe once or twice as a school teacher in middle school, and then when it came time for them to leave middle school and go to high school, they started off in high school and they just went, no chance. Absolutely no chance of I going here anymore. And they left, and they went back to homeschooling. And then they went to college, and so on and so forth. So again, it's, it's remarkably rare that they return the homeschooling child to a public institution, but um, they almost always end up leaving again, which is a good thing. And again, these people have backed themselves into a corner now, and they're just showing everybody who they actually are. So this continues. It said, the stated justification for these measures is to remedy the continuing effects of past discrimination by the district. There you go. Because two wrongs make a right. And there was probably no wrong in the first place. But now, you know, they're going to discriminate, you know, to remedy the continuing effects of their current discrimination. They don't even hear the words coming out of their mouth. Uh, It says, quote, past discrimination by the district disproportionately impacted the hiring of underrepresented teachers in the district as compared to the relevant labor market and the community and resulted in a lack of diversity of teachers, the agreement adds. It says the Star Tribune reports that seniority disrupting language, quote unquote, of the agreement is one of the first of its kind in the entire United States. Teachers are normally laid off or excessed based on seniority alone, but the new agreement adds a racial component as well. James Dickey, senior trial counsel of the Upper Midwest Law Center, UMLC, says the racial component violates both the Minnesota and United States constitutions. Well, no kidding. No kidding. At face value, it violates those, if those still exist. It says, quote, the collective bargaining agreement openly discriminates against white teachers based only on the color of their skin and not their seniority or merit, Dickey told Alpha News. Minneapolis teachers and taxpayers who oppose government-sponsored racism like this should stand up against it. Dickey also urged any Minneapolis taxpayer or teacher who opposes this racial preference system to send the UMLC an email. According to the Star Tribune, Roughly 16% of MPS teachers with tenure, and 27% of its probationary teachers are non-white, while more than 60% of students are non-white. Uh, it's a cesspool. I, you know, it really doesn't, at this stage of the game, require much analysis. It's just a cesspool. The thing to keep in mind is, is that these are the flailing attempts of sheer desperation among those that have no idea what's going on what they're doing they can't for the life of them figure out why their worlds have been turned upside down they don't get it and they're not going to get it and uh it doesn't it doesn't bother me in the slightest it just doesn't they've now exposed themselves again the entire school board and everybody involved in this every brainwashed goon and uh and bigot involved in that entire thing has just exposed themselves so yeah it's biblical there's no doubt about it we're we're getting to see exactly who they are all of the time speaking of scumbags Here's another one, again, tossed to me by a listener of the show, and this was making the rounds as well, from the Daily Caller. Leader of one of the worst school districts in the United States says that people aren't qualified enough to be teachers. The Los Angeles Unified School District Superintendent Alberto Carvalho, if I'm saying that right, don't care, told Face the Nation host Margaret Brennan Sunday, that there aren't enough qualified teachers to make up for the national teacher shortage. Brennan asked that the average pay for teachers in LAUSD was just over $87,000. Was the issue with the lack of teachers really to do with their salaries, as seen in the clip, which I'll play here in a second? And then she furthered the federal emergency funding, as been has been pumped into the national school system so why it's the incentive of pay good enough to solve the problem of teacher shortages. Here's that audio. Give this a listen. With the average pay, according to the National Education Association, in your district for a teacher is $87,000. Is the issue really pay? And given at the federal level that so much emergency funding has been pumped in, um, I think it's $2.5 billion just from that spring rescue package, why isn't the incentive enough to solve this problem on a national scale? Well, number one, The incentives are positive, however, you need to have a pipeline of eligible candidates uh, to fill these positions. And what we've seen is, number one, there are insufficient candidates graduating from colleges of education nationally, particularly teachers with a certification uh, with students with disabilities, elementary age students as well. Uh, So the pay is important, working conditions are important, health benefits uh, packages are important. I can tell you one thing, considering the cost of living in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. considering the cost of housing in Los Angeles, it is difficult to recruit individuals into our community. Nonetheless, for the very first time in over a decade, every single student in every single classroom in Los Angeles Unified will have a credentialed teacher on day one. That's truly stunning. This requires some analysis because this guy's a piece of shit. Um, l- let me. Let me let me do this. I'll start back with the first comment that he mentioned. He said the word pipeline. Now you've heard me say that here, that the candle's burning at both ends, that what the teacher education departments are pumping out, if they're even existing, which as I mentioned earlier, that They're one of the first departments to basically be kicked out of a university and eliminated when the university starts to lose money. They get out of the teaching business. Now, when that happens, what does that mean for local schools? Well, it means that local schools don't get student teachers. It means that local schools have a harder time recruiting teachers because then they have to recruit from further away. And then the local school system ends up losing school teachers. So all of that is a step-by-step sort of leapfrogging pattern that takes place on a consistent basis. When he mentioned the pipeline, of course, it then requires someone to actually examine what's being pumped out at the teacher education level. And what we know is that what's being pumped out at the teacher education level is absolute shit. That's what's happening. These, these graduates aren't being taught anything about the actual business itself. They're not being taught how corrupt it is. They're not being taught the, the politics of all of it. They're not being taught any of it. They're being taught to be activists. They're not even being taught, again, education history, accurate education history. They're not being taught what one-room schoolhouses were all about and how those were actually the most successful. And that philosophically speaking, getting back to that kind of a a mentality and a rigor, in particular when it comes to reading, writing, and arithmetic, that that's going to create a successful school teacher. The flip side of that coin, which one has to wonder also, is he was referencing how when they attempt to hire people, they, they aren't qualified. Well, I have a lot of questions about that. Number one, What kind of people are they looking for? Are they looking for individuals that are knowledgeable about their subject matter, or are they looking for individuals who are activists? Because if they're looking for people who are activists, uh, they're going to get all they want, unless all of a sudden now they're not interested in that, if they're interested in something else. Um, He did mention again special education credentials and, and students with disabilities and whatever. The, the problem with that too is that K-12 schools all across the United States are making that more and more of a thing when it doesn't need to be a thing. There don't need to be as many special education students, quote unquote, as there are. You've heard me talk about the strangling that that paperwork has on children on a constant basis, and all throughout their educational career. It sticks with them from kindergarten all the way through senior and high school. It's very difficult to get that paperwork and that title of a student being a special education student away from that student or that family. And the reason for that is because of money. The school district needs the child to have that title hanging over them like an albatross and all of that paperwork because they get more money as a, as a school district. So, yeah, there are a lot of individuals, the vast majority, who leave teacher education programs who aren't quote-unquote certified to be special education teachers. But what does that mean then ultimately? It means that they're going to have to change their parameters and they're going to have to change their qualifications. Or lack of qualifications to accommodate the fact that their previous guidelines that they had in place no longer work. Because again, the entire system is collapsing. So, as far as special education is concerned, they're going to have people teaching special education who are not certified, quote unquote, to be special education teachers. I can tell you this. Again, I'm probably repeating myself again, but. Every single one of these stories just highlights the absurdity of the entire thing. The business of special education certification is a con game. It's a ruse. It's a hoax. It doesn't need to exist. It's there in an effort to trick people into believing that if they have special education certification, then they are somehow more qualified, say, than someone else to teach a particular kind of student. That's not true. That's not true. Look at all of the one-room schoolhouse teachers who had multiple ages of students with multiple abilities and or disabilities, physically, mentally, or otherwise, that were all in the same room. Were there certifications then? Of course not. I mean, I would say that at least 25 to maybe even 50%, so I would say 25% of the students that I taught in the classes that I had in my nine-year career, 25% of them, give or take, were quote-unquote special education students. They were categorized as such. Wasn't my categorizing of them, but that was the system's categorizing of them. And it was false. And then, of course, what happens? Those poor students end up believing that lie, that they somehow don't have the ability to do X, Y, Z like everybody else does, and then they start believing more and more things that aren't true. And then either they apply themselves or they don't apply themselves. They use the special education title as a crutch, or they use it as an excuse or whatever it may be. It's all pathetic. And the whole thing is very sad. But at the same time. Uh, this superintendent and all of the money that they took in from the CARES Act has been pocketed and wasted. I'm certain of it. Again, the money is irrelevant. Yes, the cost of living in Los Angeles is probably exorbitant. There's no doubt about that. And $87,000 for the vast majority is basically what a school principal would make in almost any other state. But these are individuals with bachelor's degrees making this amount of money. Um, and that's the average salary again for a school teacher. But I don't know it. Uh, it's it's not a th- th- you can't fix this. Is what I'm saying. You can't fix it. There's already a massive disconnect between teacher education programs and what goes on in K twelve schools. They tend to not like each other, and if they do work with one another, they're both so radical and so poorly business minded that there's no way that they'll ever be able to fix this problem. Because it would have to require a lobotomy on the part of every single person who's involved. And that's not going to happen. You can change the business all you'd like, but if the individual who is inside of that business still holds on to their ideologies, then that ideology is going to show itself as frequently as humanly possible. So lobotomies, ladies and gentlemen. That's Dr. Sean Brook. <laughs> that's Dr. Doc- that's Dr. Sean Brooks's solution to the entire American K twelve school problem: is uh, rampant and mass lobotomies among uh, all of those involved. I, I honestly don't have another answer. They're going to continue to bleed teachers. They're they're going to continue to do a, a thousand other things. Again, they might even do what lots of other school districts are doing, which is start their own K twelve. Uh, K-12 certification programs, sort of bypassing the college and university certification programs, but that's not going to be any better. I mean, we can't kid ourselves on that. It's going to be awful. So there's that. All right. Now, I alluded to it earlier, uh, some horrific predictions coming true. Here's one, and you heard me mention this, that there's going to be an uptick in So, to speak, in particular, bus driver vaccines. And apparently, we had one just the other day. This was brought to my attention by an acquaintance of mine who called me to discuss a few other things. Uh, And this was one of those subjects. It, of course, is on numerous news outlets, but it's also on Fox News. And it says the following Ohio school bus carrying 32 students crashes into home crash happened in College Corner, Ohio near the Indiana border. It's like five, ten minutes away from where I live. A school bus carrying 32 students crashed into a home in Ohio early Monday when the driver suffered an apparent medical emergency, authorities said. The incident happened as the bus was traveling from Union County, Indiana into Preble County, Ohio. Fox 19 Cincinnati reported citing the Butler County Sheriff's Office. The bus, which was carrying middle and high school students, crashed into a home around 7.40 a.m. in the 200 block of Ramsey Street and College Corner, authorities said. While the crash caused extensive damage, damage, no students were injured, the Sheriff's Office and Indiana State Police said. First responders performed life-saving measures on the bus driver who was rushed to a hospital. The sheriff's office said no update on the driver's condition was immediately available. One person was in the home during the crash but was not injured, fire officials said. And of course, there's pictures of it here. Um, It's right through the front porch of the house. I mean, this bus went off the rails right into the front porch and front door of this house. This is going to be a constant thing. Again, you heard me say it months ago that this was going to happen. It's already happening and it's going to continue to happen and it's not going to get better. With this bus driver teacher shortage, of course, what we're seeing is is that the only individuals that are interested in being bus drivers are the ones that are willing to tow that corporate line and this entire COVID lie. So, the bus drivers now that are driving the buses, ladies and gentlemen, are double, triple, and quadruple jabbed. Again, how is that going to be safe for anyone involved? You've heard me say again that flying on airplanes is arguably the most dangerous thing a person can do right now, assuming that all of the pilots are jabbed. Well, what about bus drivers now? Again, the knowledgeable bus drivers who know what's been going on are, and are paying attention in the slightest to what's actually going on, they, they don't want to be bus drivers for a variety of reasons. And I'm talking about the unjabbed bus drivers. I mean, the unjabbed ones don't want to participate anymore, which, which leaves who then to be the bus driver? The jabbed. Here's another story from from, uh, Missouri, tossed to me again by a family member. Uh, SLPS suspends bus routes to eight schools over driver shortage. The St. Louis Public Schools is temporarily suspending bus routes to eight of its schools as the district struggles to hire qualified drivers. Despite our best efforts, quote-unquote, And those of our transportation partner, Missouri Central, the company was unable and has been unable to hire, train, and certify enough drivers to handle all students eligible for transportation in our district. Dr. Kelvin Adams, the superintendent, said in a statement on Monday. The district's bus program serves approximately 16,500 riders, Removing the eight schools from the program, six of the district's larger high schools and two elementary schools will impact 3,450 students and their families. Eight schools are identified as of Monday afternoon. Bang, bang, bang. Bang. The district will provide the high school students and their families with MetroLink bus passes or gas cards. Parents of elementary school students may be eligible for mileage reimbursements of up to $75 per week. The reimbursements will be issued each Friday, Adams said. However, perfect attendance will be required for all elementary or high school students' families to receive a gas card. Can you say chaos? Because this spells chaos. Can you imagine? They don't have the bus drivers, therefore they don't have the buses, therefore they're they're eliminating the routes and their solution is to give out MetroLink bus passes or gas cards. Gas cards. I bet those gas cards could be spent on other things. $75 a week. But you have to have perfect attendance. I can see a parent showing up With their child for perfect attendance for the first month, getting $75 per week, and then all of the sudden, their child gets sick. Who knows? Maybe they have COVID, quote unquote. Maybe they're jabbed. Then all of the sudden, they're not allowed to get the gas cards anymore and be reimbursed by the district. I bet you're going to see some interesting school board meetings as a result of that. These are band aids on a gushing artery. That That will not fix the problem they' are cre they are quite literally creating more problems with every patch job that they re-implement. they're creating more work, more chaos, more conflict, more turmoil, whatever whatever word you want to use. I can't believe it. I mean I can' believe it, but you know they just they're not learning. These people are not learning. I have to admit, it's kind of entertaining. It just kind of is. Here's another example. I'm going to shift gears slightly uh, into sort of the medicine arena, but this comes from the University of Michigan. I thought this story was jacked up. Even libs of TikTok covered this one. Um, this is this is bizarre, and this will show you the lengths to which the brainwashed goons on the left will go to uh get illegal drugs to trans kids. This comes from 100percentfedup.com and it's titled University of Michigan doctor admits to sending illegal drugs across state lines to trans kids and blames alleged death threats quote unquote on conservative journalist for sharing her sick tweet. Ah, this is just bizarre. A University of Michigan doctor endorsed sending controlled medication to trans patients across state lines, even though it's illegal. Libs of TikTok has exposed a University of Michigan doctor who endorses an an illegal controlled substance distribution network across state lines to supply trans people with medications. This person's uh, tweet went something like this. This is Daphne Strauss- I don't know how to pronounce her last name. These last names, honest to God, is there a Smith in the crowd? Can we get a Smith? Uh, Medical doctor, they said, quote, I know a lot of trans folks are losing their meds these days, completely unrelated to the fact that trans youth in many states can't get access to meds. I always send refills to any of my patients, no questions asked. And then a reply says, if you live in any of the states that are banning trans health care, my trans friend and I are sending out prescribed testosterone, uh, spiroanectone, if that's what that is, and Estriadol. I don't know. To those who are now unable to get prescriptions, no questions asked. Again, These people are lunatics. The University of Michigan Dr. Daphne whatever endorses Eli Ehrlich's illegal drug trafficking to trans people in states which have regulated these medications, violating both state and federal law. Don't hold your breath that this person's going to lose their medical license, let alone their job. Dr. Strauss if that's their real name, tweeted, I already read that, blah, blah, blah. Libs of TikTok and the Daily Wire's Matt Walsh alert the University of Michigan and Michigan Department of Licensing and Regulatory Affairs of this illegal activity and the endorsement by UM staff. In response to this, advocates of the doctor and Ehrlich have whined that the latter has allegedly received death threats due to the exposure. Meanwhile, Matt Walsh responds that he and his family regularly receive threats of the same type of people who actively support the criminal doctors. Sending controlled substances across state lines to individuals without a prescription is illegal. Refusing to ask follow-up questions when you fill out a prescription is unethical. Ehrlich is committing a a, uh, criminal act In sending controlled substances across state lines into states which have regulated these substances and to individuals who do not even have a script, Dr. Straumse, if that's how you say it, endorses this agreeing wholeheartedly with the sediment. This is all on behalf of trans individuals, quote unquote, the most catered to group in the United States due to liberalism. The University of Michigan must take action against their unethical medical staff, and illegal action and legal action rather must be taken against Ehrlich and the public hazard they cause through their illegal distribution network. It's prison time. It's just prison time. They should be in prison, but they won't be. Just like this next person, the Scarf Queen. This comes from the National Pulse, and I gotta tell you, this psychopath continues to just open their mouth. And this again is really indicative of why they are actual psychopaths. A psychopath has a very difficult time keeping their mouth shut, so much so that they'll even admit their crimes, as she has done. And then, in the same breath, claim that they are not crimes and that what they did worked. And then, in the same breath, say that it didn't work, but that it worked, which you've heard her say in the audio I've played in the past, in particular when she was on Neil Cavuto. She was bouncing all over the place and couldn't keep her story straight. But the more that every single day passes and the more facts that come out, these people just can't keep their mouths shut. Um, even Anthony Fauci, the anointed one, he's come out by saying that people are calling it the Fauci effect, and that that's not a title that, uh, that he thinks is important for people to care about, but he's flattered, but it's not something he came up with, that the Fauci effect has to do with people basically falling in line and doing what they're told and other people listening to medical doctors, and all of this for the betterment of humanity, ladies and gentlemen, is called the Fauci effect. So I'm sure you'll be able to read that in a K-12 textbook in no time. There'll be a whole chapter dedicated to it, I'm sure. Anyway, this is from Raheem Kassam, uh, and it is titled, Dr. Burke's Book, Pharma Pharma Companies Responsible for Thousands of Deaths During the COVID Peak. Not her. She's not responsible. It's the company's fault. Gotcha. It's their fault too, sweet cheeks. Uh, former White House Coronavirus Task Force spokesman, Ambassador Deborah Bur- Burks, or is it spokeswoman? Can't get these things straight these days. Has effectively laid blame for thousands of deaths at the door of big pharmaceutical giants Pfizer and Moderna, claiming their refusal to pursue a compassionate use authorization quote-unquote, for the COVID-19 vaccines led to a delay which directly impacted nursing home residents. So that's why all the old people are dead. Was because, why? Because they didn't get the vaccines first, according to Deborah Burks. The details come out in the final parts of Birx's little red book, R-E-A-D, Silent Invasion. Wherein she details how she used subterfuge to get around the will of the Trump administration, as well as naming Trump son in law Jared Kushner and Vice President Mike Pence as her go to people in the government. Well, that's not good. In chapter 19, entitled Winter is Here, Burks turns her guns on the same pharmaceutical companies she and her colleague Anthony Fauci promoted and protected during the COVID 19 outbreak. Specifically she points out the corporates who were shielded by government from liability failed to get vital doses of their vaccines into the arms of those who needed it earliest the elderly See she's still a psychopath You don't you don't stop being a psychopath You cannot use therapy or shock therapy or drugs to keep a person from being a crazy person. Um, She will always be this way. Her own words continue to prove it. She's continuously saying the shots work. They don't. They work when it comes to killing people. Now she's saying we should have done it with the elderly sooner. The next thing you'll hear her say publicly is that we should have done it with children sooner because she's a psychopath. Here's a direct quote, apparently, from her book. It says, quote, Getting as many people inoculated as quickly and equitably, yes, equitably, honest to God, as possible remained one of my priorities. In addition to Emergency Use Authorization, or EUA, the FDA has has the authority to allow the use of therapeutics and vaccines. And the use of experimental drugs to people outside clinical trials under what's called Compassionate Use Authorization or CUA. Lacking the holy grail of emergency use authorization, which was pending, I continued to try to find a way to get the highest risk group immunized as quickly as possible. In early November, I asked Tony and Steve to approach Moderna and Pfizer and urge them to apply for CUA while their vaccine's efficacy was still being determined, but safety was fairly clear. Oh, how wrong she is. With a CUA in hand, we could inoculate any nursing home residents whom wished to be. Whether they volunteered for the jabs or not, at least they'd have the options. Unquote. Honest to God. Uh, The disconnect from reality here is crystal clear. It's crystal clear. Again, I could spend an hour on that on that quotation alone. It wouldn't have been a choice for the elderly. The institutions would have forced it. Why? Because it was based on money. The more jabs, the more money they got. It's that simple. The more dead, the more COVID positive cases. Because they'd swab the dead body and go, "We got a a COVID positive case." Uh oh. And then they'd go, "Cha ching, cha ching, cha ching," and then they'd start cashing in all that money. The, these people have to hang i I don't know what else to say. They have to go to jail. They have to be executed for crimes against humanity i I've said it before. it's not new. um Endless people have said this under the law. these people again uh, they might uh they might claim plausible deniability, but here she is in her own book, saying that they're safe that the vaccine's efficacy was still being determined, but safety was fairly clear. Again, these are the kinds of words that would be picked apart in a jury and in a courtroom. Dr. Burks, when you said fairly clear, what did you mean by that? I mean, they would, they would dissect every word in a court of law, unless, of course, they have her private correspondence in front of a military tribunal, and then they just say to the gallows but it's hard to know i got to i got to finish this cuz there's more jacked up quotes in this it continues it says but as many continue to die her wishes were not carried through she explains quote we had a narrow window and it was closing 1500 nursing homes nursing home residents died in the first week of october the vaccine manufacturers i learned had already stockpiled 3 million doses If we could have drawn from that supply through CUA, thousands of lives could have been saved. No, you psychopath, you would have killed them faster than you already did. It's that simple. Again, I highly recommend Amazing Polly's video on Dr. Burke's. Please go check that out and watch it if you haven't already. She's got a long family history of psychopaths, and psychopathology is genetic. It is a serious genetic mental condition. Usually in the mind of a psychopath lies a parent who is a psychopath. Um, It continues, it says, she says, quote, this didn't happen. Pfizer and Moderna declined to pursue compassionate use authorization. They believed the process would be a distraction. Their eyes were fixed on emergency use authorization. Another complicated process taking on both simply wasn't possible. She then said, quote, I believed it was, it just wasn't part of the plan these manufacturers had envisioned. Why is that, Scarf Queen? Why is that? Why is it that Pfizer and Moderna wouldn't want your so-called compassionate use authorization because it killed as many people already as it was killing because they were denying people ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine? along with the vitamins and minerals necessary to stay alive. The hospital policies were killing these people, and then they were withholding the real cure. And then, of course, that's why they needed that to happen first, because then the real EUA rollout was taken so seriously by the public that so many of the public actually thought that EUA meant it has full FDA authorization and countless people took the jabs because they were dumb enough to think that it had FDA full proof authorization which of course it didn't it's been FDA approved no it hasn't still hasn't it's still an experiment and the experiments going just as they had planned it's killing Everybody who takes it. Uh, okay, it continues. Sorry, it just does. Burks then goes on to detail a number of people that were affected by the major corporation's refusal to pursue a faster route to market. At the time, many suspected they were refusing to do so because so, because such speed would give President Trump an, a stenable boost right before the U.S. presidential election. See, now it's political, according to them. She then said, quote, Take a moment to imagine that they did apply for compassionate use, and imagine that 1.5 million of the 3 million stockpiled doses went to nursing homes in November and another 1.5 million at the end of November, for a second dose. If this had happened, the nursing home residents would have been fully protected in December at the start of the surge, and not, as it turned out, as late as February after the surge. Psychopath An additional 6,000 plus nursing home residents died in mid December. They all could have been fully immunized and protected before this happened and we could have saved thousands of lives if this had been done literally thousands of lives could have been saved great good could have been done and at low risk to these vulnerable people in a pandemic you need to innovate on the fly in response to the reality of the moment and not be locked into a rigid plan unquote she wrote that which means before it turned into words on paper, it was a thought and an actual consistent wavelength of thinking in her brain. I think the scarf is tied on too tightly. Or she's just a psychopath. Because again, every word she said there is a lie. And false. Every word. It's like Jeffrey Dahmer talking about how it's not a bad thing to squeeze frogs until their guts pop out of their mouth. I'm doing them a favor. If I only had more frogs to squeeze, everything would be just fine. You see, Deborah Burks has been squeezing frogs since she was a child. She's a frog squeezer. She's one of those kids. Most people admire frogs, might even pick one up, pet it, and then put it back, or even, you know, put it in a safer place. Because where they found it might be a little too dangerous. No, no, no. Not Dr. Birx. She's the one that would have put firecrackers in its butt. She's the one that would have, you know, hung them from a clothesline and let them dry in the sun. She's a psycho. She's a psycho because this is what she was doing with the elderly. Again, she wanted to kill the elderly quicker. That was her plan. She says so in her book. (laughs) I mean, my God she says so. Well, if we could have just gotten to the elderly quicker, they would have been protected. No one's protected from anything. This article finally wraps up. This is a kick in the teeth. It says, quote, "Burks's theory rests on the efficacy of the vaccines, however. Center for Disease Control and Prevention guidelines were altered this past week to remove the distinctions between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Regardless of the science, quote-unquote, today, the United States continues to restrict foreign travelers into the country who are not vaccinated unless they come in illegally through America's porous southern border. Not one major corporate news outlet has covered this story, while most take significant advertising money. From big pharmaceutical companies the chairman and chief executive officer of the Thomas Reuters Foundation is also a top investor and board member for Pfizer as revealed by the national pulse in December of 2021 that's well done I'm telling you psychopaths who write books um, yeah done goes don't go so well doesn't go so well. Okay, two more. Now I'm going to wrap this up. This again, jab-related. Globalresearch.ca. That would imply Canada, I believe. Pfizergate official government reports prove hundreds of thousands of people are dying every single week due to the COVID-19 vaccination. I'm just going to read the beginning of this. All global research articles can be read in 51 languages. Blah 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 blah. Okay, blah blah blah. Um Exhibit A it says, and official government reports prove, without a shadow of a doubt, that it is all thanks to the COVID-19 vaccines. Ambulances in England are taking almost an hour to reach patients who have had a suspected stroke or heart attack more than three times the 18 minute maximum wait. When people call 999, they can no longer be confident that they will get the emergency care they need. Why? It says the following chart is taken from the UK Health Security Agency's Ambulance Syndromic Surveillance System Week 30 Bulletin, and it shows that the daily number of 999 calls requesting an ambulance due to suffering cardiac arrest in England versus the expected rate black dotted line. Uh, It's increased dramatically. I'll just put it that way. The number of calls has been way above average since at least August of 2021. Oh, my. And then, of course, this chart was making the rounds also. Um, The number of ambulance calls out for conditions, illnesses related to heart among people under the age of 30 by month and year. It has dramatically increased. In 2021 and 2022. In fact, they are almost double and close to... They're certainly double the amount that they were back in 2020, 2019, 18, and 17. You can't run away from these numbers. The psychopaths like uh, Deborah Burks can run away from them if they'd like. They think they're running away from them. It's it's impossible to run away from this. Here's the last article I have, and then I have a couple of anonymous posts I want to read here from greatawakening.win, and then a quick little story from a listener of the podcast who is also the same acquaintance who sent me, um, sent me the, the bus crash story. This comes from chemicalviolence.com, quite the website title. Government data shows that one out of every 246 COVID vaccinated people dies within 60 days. This was from just a few days ago. Again, when the British government decided to change the ways in which it calculates the release data and releases data about the Wuhan coronavirus COVID 19 vaccine, injuries, and deaths, the obvious cover up that resulted prompted the public filing of dozens of Freedom of Information requests. This led to the revelation that one out of every 246 people who gets jabbed for Chinese germs, at least in England, ends up dying within the first two months post-injection. And then it says the risk of becoming injured or dying from COVID jabs is much higher than the media and government claim. Of course it is. Oh, yikes. Final quote in the article says, This means that in all, 180,695 people died within 60 days of COVID 19 vaccination between January 2021 and May of 2022 in England. Now, here's an anonymous post that basically breaks down the math as simply as possible. Said, If you have one in 246 people, uh, let's expand on that that would be there are, of course, 330 million, roughly, people in the United States. If 70% of them are vaccinated, quote unquote, that means that 231 million are vaccinated out of the 330 million in the United States. So if one in 246 is dying, that would mean that there are 924,000 deaths over a period of time. And it says, based on the numbers coming from the insurers and the military, this is entirely believable. Yes, it certainly is. Uh, Here's another quick story, again, an anonymous post. It's titled, Another Big Uptick in Vaccinated People Getting Really Sick. It says, quote, it seems pretty obvious that the reason that they are not discriminating against the unvaccinated is because they don't want the fact that we are the only ones not getting sick to be super obvious, only more obvious than it already is. I completely agree with that. 100% that that is one of the angles that they are using to try to hide the fact that we, the purebloods, are doing just fine we're just fine. Uh, Here's what they said. B-I-L, I I don't know what that stands for. Brother-in-law, sorry, there we go, figured it out. Brother-in-law, triple vaxxed and boosted, has had COVID for 10 days, still testing positive. Friend, double vaxxed, Moderna two-shot, a while back, now has shingles in her eye. Really painful. Another triple vaxxed and boosted friend had COVID last week, got better, has it again, now feeling really crappy. For whatever reason, she is testing what seems like every 10 minutes, it's scary. My double vaxxed but not boosted nephew has it for the second time, not that bad though. Meanwhile, pure blood, lil' ol' me, fit as a fiddle. Yep. You and everybody else. You and the rest of the purebloods. Again, quick story from a listener of the podcast and an acquaintance of mine who, again, I worked with when it came to um, going after the local school board and a variety of other issues and conversations that we've had. Her ex-husband is double-jabbed and uh, experienced a stroke recently up in Michigan and also found that his aorta was dissected. So it was completely split, or splitting, I should say. Didn't have a heart attack, apparently, but did have a stroke. Um, And then had surgery, and I believe is still alive. So again, my prayers to her and him. Um, Yeah. This just isn't it's not going to get better. And again, the sad part too, is, as we all know, is that if the people who are around the sick don't know what's going on, then the sick aren't, of course, going to have anybody honest telling them anything honestly. Not that there's a solution to this, because I don't think that there is. I know there's a lot of hoping and praying that There are some kind of a med bed or some kind of an antidote that that fixes this. Um, I haven't seen it yet. So these are things, again, that we've got to continue to pay attention to. We've got to continue to connect these dots. Again, one of the things that I, of course, do in the most recent Substack article is that very thing. I lay out a variety of scenarios that I think are likely to happen, including, again, the returning to... Online education. And even if they pass levies, ladies and gentlemen, which I I can't imagine them doing unless it's fraudulent voting when it comes to K 12 school districts, but I can't see them um, appropriately using that levy money in any way. And I don't think it's going to last no matter what they do. It just won't last. Because what we're all experiencing here and what we're all watching is not something that money is going to be able to fix. Money will not fix this. There's no amount of money that's going to fix this. In fact, not only is money the root of all evil, money is the reason that we're in this predicament in the first place. A bunch of people who are who are obsessed with money, killing people for money, and then tricking the people that take it into thinking that if they take these shots that they'll be saving money because they won't get sick. This satanic joke is on everybody, and money is not going to fix it, just like the devil won't fix this either. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.